Hi everyone, welcome back to the Soldiers of Cinema podcast. I'm Colin McFader, and with me as always is Clark Coffee. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, man. How are you? I'm good. Uh, I was... Should we do our weather update, our classic? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I was going to say we could do the weather update. It is an, a beautiful fall day here. Yeah, uh, but here, I, yeah. But I just want to say, you know, we, we had Thanksgiving here in the United States last week, and I've been living off of pumpkin pie, basically, so I'm like... I'm 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 super amped for this episode. I'm Excellent. running on That's pumpkin pie. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's like it's like it's perfect fuel. <laughs> perfect fuel for film. Oh, yeah. But no, yeah, everything is great, man. Yeah. Excellent. So today we're talking about lesson 16, which is music. Yes. Um, which is a very interesting topic with Herzog because he you know, he loves all that choral stuff, but he also uses some pretty interesting music choices in a lot very, of his movies. Um very kind of you yeah. know, unusual in a way, but also it, work really well. Well, certainly at least to, you know, my American ears, and I would imagine like to, you know, uh, to quite a few like Western listeners, uh, he it's it, he uses an extraordinary range of music, which often really helps kind of lend his to his films kind of, um, I don't even, I don't know if surrealness is the right word, but I think kind of like, like awe. I kind of get a sense from a lot of his music choices uh, which is kind of what he's trying to do with the visuals of his films, right? It's yeah. just like this presenting these unknown and unique landscapes. And well, I it's think like bringing you into a dreamlike state almost. That's, he, that's what it, I always it, get yeah, the impression absolutely, of. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, uh, so it'll be exciting. Yeah, I think that, you know, uh, unlike somebody, and I and don't get me wrong, I love Scorsese, but, you know, it's definitely a different conversation to have about music than if you were talking about a director like him, because we could just talk about the Rolling Stones, you know, if we yes. were going to talk yeah. about it. <laughs> we, we, I mean, I kind of joke, obviously, Scorsese uses a lot, a lot, uh, music, a lot of music that's not the Rolling Stones, but it's kind of funny that um, I don't it think always it comes ever, up. <laughs> it always comes up. And, you know, Herzog is somebody that um, it uses such a, he uses such an interesting breadth and range of music and so. it's almost i find the not to dwell on the difference for too long but I, I always find that the interesting part of it the difference is that i find that that scorsese his um you know attraction to that type of music comes from the fact that it's almost like his childhood or what he right. like the nostalgia of it whereas yes herzog i find that he almost and i can't confirm this because he's never really said this but i feel like he almost uses music that he's hearing for the first time during well, the production. You know, so it's, sense, it's really right? interesting that you mentioned that. It's interesting that you mentioned it. Now, you know, I, I, get, I, I, can't, I don't know for sure. You know, it's one of those things where I have, I've read so many uh, interviews or watched so many interviews of Herzog, and I've listened to him kind of speak about his child so many times that I can't place this specifically. But, and people out there, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I am 99% sure that Herzog claims, at least, that he actually did not hear like recorded music until he was about 18. Huh. So, yeah, and <laughs> yeah, so I've never so, heard that, but that's interesting if it's right. true, yeah. And and so, right, if it's true, and I, you know, it's but it's part of the mythology. I, like I said, I'm I'm almost positive Herzog has said this, you know, about himself. Uh, you know, I and I I would assume it's true if he said it. Uh, I don't know why you would make that up, but mm-hmm. and that is a huge difference, right? Because you're exactly right. You point out something really interesting in that, you know, if you hadn't heard music, uh, and writes Herzog also had not seen film uh, until he was kind of formed in a sense, you know, pa- basically like at the end of adolescence, um, then you wouldn't have that, right? You The whole like this nostalgia that let's say somebody like Scorsese has where he's bringing in music he grew up with. Well, if you mm-hmm. don't grow up with music, I would imagine that gives you an entirely unique perspective 
on how you see music just in general, right? So it's an yeah. interesting. It's really interesting that you bring that up. But uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll have to go back and look. But I'm almost positive that that's kind of part of the mythology of Herzog. You know, somehow he grew up without even listening yeah. to pre-recorded yeah. music until he was 18. But you know, growing up in the Bavarian mountains or whatever, there were no there were no turntables or record players. <laughs> right. Um, I and I know uh, we've we've talked about this before individually, um, mm-hmm. and. You've mentioned that you, when you write, sometimes you'll write with music. And I think we right. both do, but I think we do in very different ways. Okay. So I'm curious to know what you're, like, how is music involved in, in your process, in your creative process? Sure, sure. Um, so, so, and this is not always, right? This is, this mm-hmm. is sometimes. Um, but often I will, you know, it, it's, it's, and this music comes in in a handful of ways. So sometimes let's say I'll sit down and I know the scene that I'm trying to write, or let's say I'm editing it, right? I need to, I need to revisit a scene and rewrite a scene. And, and so I already have like this conceptual conceptualization of what the scene's going to be. I will sometimes listen to music that I feel really represents the energy or tone of this scene. Right. And, uh, and and often too for me it's like there may be even like one specific song or a couple songs and it can get kind of i have to do this with headphones on because it can drive anybody around me nuts but i might listen to a song on loop you know for the entire duration of my writing of this scene if i feel like that song really encapsulates and represents the the tone or energy that i'm going for Mm -hmm. or 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 puts me in the emotional state that i've you know that i feel like represents the scene if that makes sense um, other times if I, if I'm kind of, you know, writing a first draft and I don't know where things are going to go necessarily, uh, I might listen to music, maybe an artist or an album or kind of pick a playlist that I feel like, you know, puts me in the space, the overall kind of space of whatever story that I am writing. Right, and, and right. some, and I kind of might refine that as I go, right. The story might take me in different places and, and I find that the music I'm currently listening to is not a good representation of that. And so I'll stop and find something else or, you know, um, but then sometimes um, I, I'm I, curious I'll, to know though, is yeah. does that, does that song, like, let's say you find a song that really well encapsulates right. the mood of your scene. Does that then carry on through your production? Like, do you use that when you are shot listing and then do you use that when you're, you know, even getting you psyched up for the shoot and then do you use that when you're editing and then do you if you're using a composer do you share that right. song with the composer or is it something that just kind of starts and ends in editing or uh, in writing uh, in so. writing yeah so that's a really good question i think you know in my in my experience it's run the gamut now of uh it it sometimes those things kind of stop with writing because uh whatever i've written ends up changing so much whether it's through rewrites or you know um i've never actually shot with music um and i and and it's something that i certainly could explore but i i tend to not kind of give that piece to the other so let's say you know i've written a scene where there's a couple actors they're you know it's they're having some kind of like moment or dialogue here i've never and i've written the scene to a particular piece of music i've never said hey actors here's some music that i wrote to this with to right uh you know take this as part of your homework i've actually never done anything like that um i've and i've definitely never had any songs carry all the way through the process to the point of that actual song is in 
the finished product because I've just never been in a position to be able to afford, you know, mm-hmm. most of the music that I listen to to actually put it in my films. But I definitely have, uh, like, uh, for people I've collaborated with who've written music, written and recorded music, I've definitely said, hey, here are some examples of, but I, I don't think I've ever given just one piece of music, though, and said, hey, this is what I listened to whenever I wrote this. Uh, I want you to create something that's similar to tone. I'm afraid if I give like one piece of music that it, there might be a temptation to just kind of try to recreate that one piece. So See, I yeah, usually, that's that's a very specific and point. So, that, yeah. yeah, and so that's what I've always, you know, for my process, if I give music, and but sometimes it's not music necessarily that I might give. It's you know, I have I have given you know like pictures of paintings or uh, clips from other films or you know it's not always just music as an inspiration that I have given to composers because I you know I'm not a musician myself so let's get that right off the you know get that right out there in the open and I don't want to to hand over to someone who is a musician who is a composer my limitations right mm-hmm. so I you know I want them. I'm saying, hey, you know, please, like, take a look at the scene or here's, you know, here's the script. Like, I want to bring them into the story. And I want, I really want to maximize their ability to collaborate and bring their expertise and talent to the film. So I'm really, you know, I, I am very cautious. I understand my limitations are, I'm pretty narrow. So I don't want to bring that to other people who are actually quite broad, you know, mm-hmm. in their skills and, and knowledge and experience of music. So, uh, I don't know if that answered your question exactly. No, yeah, that but, did. Because you know. so that is, I was correcting my assumption that we do both start out the same, but then get very different. Yeah. Because um, for me, music is very, you know, I would say ninety percent to ninety-five percent of the time that I write something or that I create something. Yeah. Music is the beginning of it. Okay. Oh and wow. And that so, for example, the western that I did. Um, I guess it's two years ago now. Or was it last? I can't remember. But in the last few years, um, that started because there's a piece that's unused in the thing that Ennio Morricone wrote. Um, Uh I think it's called Eternity, I think the track name is. And it was unused, but it's in the soundtrack. Okay. Um, And I remember listening to it and just visualizing this idea of this, you know, it sounds sort of like a funeral march and it's this descending organ and it's great. It's very synthy as well. And I thought this doesn't sound anything like a Western soundtrack, but I was just picturing this this like cowboy trying to return money that he stole to his family and all this stuff. And that mm. became the movie. And it, and so when I do that, though, and this is for I can probably say for pretty much every movie I've ever written, um, I will write and I will collect all the music that I wrote and I'll make almost like a proto soundtrack. Okay. That I will then visualize scenes to and do the shot listing to, and then I will share that with the cast and crew. Yeah. Um, sort of say, and then when I get to the point where I am, like I don't really play the music while while we're on set, of course, but right. everyone is aware of of that. Then at the point where I get a composer involved, um, it's usually a conversation of there's sometimes when I, I will specifically say I really like the sound of this, mm-hmm. you know, like I, so for that instance, it was the, this descending organ that just kind of made it right from the outset of the movie seem like, you know, that this character is not going to make it out of a lot out, out alive. Mm-hmm. So the movie is more about how that happens rather than like what happens at the end kind of right. thing. So I sometimes will say, um, you know, I really like the sound of descending organ. So if we could do something with that, it's really cool. Yeah. But I've also had experiences too, where I've not really, it's not been the style of music. It's been the feeling of the music that has really gotten me. So I've sort of said, take a look at the cut with it, temp scored with this. 
and then here's a cut completely with no music and if you like the sound of the temp um feel free to kind of emulate that obviously mm -hmm. to a certain extent imitation can you can get away with it but right sometimes you can't um right. but also i've always been very clear that it's like you know if you have a completely different idea um you know this being the composer if you have a completely different idea or uh something that you want to run by me that has nothing to do with what the temp sounded like i'm very happy to hear it and i always just sort of consider it sort of like showing you know paintings or old photographs to a, a dp like right. that's kind of in my mind the same thing where it's like this because of the fact that this track is so intertwined with um with the the way that the the story is going and the way mm -hmm. that the story was written, yeah, I find that it's really to me, um, it really helps my process if I keep that track kind of going with it. And then, I mean, I'm lucky because I could the first few times I did this, I was concerned that if I got attempts or a a score back from a composer that was completely different, that I'd be like, oh no, it's ruined. <laughs> but more often than not, I I am completely happy when it's changed up and it's different i it, okay. it provides a whole new life to it and so, so you, fi you find that you aren't so attached like having no no, taken no. That yeah piece it's, of music by no means it's an process. attachment yeah it's more of like a i take it more as like a guide um that then you know you can kind of take the training wheels off at the end and kind yeah. of then play around with it and i have you know i'm i'm also i like you i'm not a musician i would say i don't i don't have much theoretical knowledge of music but i have played piano and i know you know, I know basic terminology and, and the right. ways to communicate certain things that I want. Um, so I'm very involved in the music process in the way of like, you know, if I want more brass or if I want it to be faster mm -hmm. or something like that, I can communicate those ideas. And sure, um, it's very collaborative. Whereas I know a lot of directors just kind of hand it off and, and they're happy to let the, um, and that might be more where you lie, is that you kind of are happy to let a composer who's an expert on music run out that course um more independently than say you know i'd i'd love to be there with um with the composer sitting there with the in the recording sessions and and being able to listen to that right um, i mean that I, I i certainly would take the opportunity to do that uh, and it's not that i don't i think it's more just a tight you know in the same way that i don't give feedback to an actor saying you know uh, loud, you know, I, I, I try not to speak to here's what I want the output of your interpretation mm -hmm. to be. What I try to do is feed the input, right? Right. And, yeah, and yeah. they're, they're still working independently as an interpretive artist to take the inputs and, and I'm, you know, their process brings the output, right? Mm -hmm. So I kind of, it's, you know, if that makes any sense, right? So yeah, I never no, say totally. like louder, faster, softer, happier, you know, sadder, like, which are of course ridiculous, you know, feedbacks yeah. to give yeah. to an actor. But yeah. I mean, but it happens all the time. But it's more about, I ask questions and try to lead through, you know, asking questions about given circumstances and et cetera. So it's kind of the same, my, my that how I would work with a composer is kind of in the same way where, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, I, I'm absolutely working hard uh, in a collaborative way to share my vision of mm -hmm. what, of the, of the tone, you know, of the tone and uh, sometimes plot, although that's not as, as vital, but really about the feeling. What am I trying to, what is, what am I trying to kind of share from a deeper kind of place of feeling and, and, uh, and tone and color and texture in the scene um, not literally color, but, you know, but emotionally color and tone and texture and making sure that the whoever's doing the music, writing the music is on on the same page as that. 
-hmm. that as opposed to like more brass or i mean sometimes sure it's like uh you know i really feel like something that's cello driven here will would work um but i'm always like open you know um yeah no totally that's that's i think the key and i also i mean this is also i would say more rare but i um like more rare in the industry that i'm always happy to re-edit to the composer yeah Um, absolutely absolutely. yeah like i will always say to a composer if you have a moment that um on this hitchcock thing that i'm doing right now i i did this exact thing where it was the composer said i think I could use like another beat to hang on to that moment right there and do something Absolutely. fun with it. And so I'll re-edit. Um, I know that that's more difficult to do in the industry because usually it's picture locked at the point where it goes to the composer so that the VFX right. and all that can be started. Absolutely. But, yeah. um, but I, I know, I mean, I know Spielberg did that for ET um, and I think has done that several times with John Williams where it's, yeah. he's been happy to, you know, re-edit pieces for uh, or moments for the for music pieces to fit that William, yeah. yeah i mean and and that's a really good thing that you bring up we, we've talked about writing we've talked about uh, other aspects of uh bringing music into the process but we've not really talked about editing so much mm-hmm. and you know i really feel like for me i've got a very uh, a strong sense of rhythm in my writing and uh, as, not just with dialogue, but there, I have a very strong connection to a rhythm of words when I'm writing. Mm-hmm. I also feel that connection very strongly in the edit. And it's interesting because more often than not, it is some kind of internal rhythm. I, I don't usually, very rarely edit to an external piece of music or, or mm-hmm. rhythm or, you know, but the cut... I mean, rhythm is so vital. And again, I, you know, I'm not a master editor. Uh, I have definitely edited a lot of things because just the nature of independent filmmaking, this is what yeah, you, you kind do. Of, you will fall into it. Yeah. And so, but I would never say I am an editor. Mm-hmm. Uh, Me neither. Me neither but, by no means. Yeah. But just it kind of my intuitive process, I mean, is there's very much a rhythm there. Uh, and you, you really brought up a great point, you know, it's, and it just depends on like, you know, how you're able to work with people, right? I mean, uh, especially at certain stages of your career, well, you don't have access to just any and every, you know, uh, potential, you know, uh, work, you know, the way you've got to work with people sometimes just kind of necessitates like, okay, well, yeah. uh, you know, this is what it is. So uh, I have definitely recut things to other pieces of music. Um, and of course I've also had, you know, I've worked with, uh, with composers to say, Hey, you know, actually like the, I feel like this cut has its own really perfect internal rhythm. Uh, let's, let's actually create the music to this very specific thing. So I've done both things and Hey, it's like, I think if you can do it, you know, and I think it's, it's interesting because there's a, I think it's the Hollywood reporter round table with a few composers. And I think it's like Danny Elfman, and oh, yeah. Alexandre Desplat and a few other people. Um, okay, is this more of a but, recent one? I haven't seen these no, in I a think while. No, I think it came out a few years ago. But it, okay. it's um, it's interesting is there's a point where Danny Elfman talks about, or it might be Danny Elfman or someone else who talks about the fact that when it's like cut to a temp score, that so often the rhythm of the of the scene is. Mm-hmm dictated by the music and right. so i think that's kind of where the amendment comes in where I, I i say you know i've cut this too if i if i do you know i don't always but in the event that i'm so you know into this scene having the rhythm of of a certain piece um and i cut to that mm-hmm. then i will always again say that like take it without the temp score once too take a look at it or even watch it before you've heard the temp score the one mm-hmm. without um and figure out where you need time where I can re-edit because I'm happy to re-edit. And 
there's another point too where they they talk about um uh what does oh yes the the idea that and this kind of brings us up to the next point in in herzog's uh comment which is that the there's a really wide kind of philosophy in, in music and film these days that the music shouldn't be noticed. And it's really weird to me. Oh, wow. Um, and you Elfman, think so? Really? And, well, Elfman even mentions in the, the report, Hollywood Reporter interview right. roundtable, he says, you know, that it's an interesting kind of evolution of, of, of movie hmm. music that it shouldn't be noticed or that it should be under like underplayed just to, you know, just to complement the scene, but shouldn't right. draw attention to itself. It shouldn't and then overwhelm. He, it shouldn't, but yeah. he, he mentions, you know, growing up with with hitchcock movies it's like you mm -hmm. feel and you hear every note from herman right and you know that music is not in the background at all that music oh, is neither right is williams that, you, you mentioned oh, yeah. williams yeah. with spielberg yeah i mean that's that's about as much and in the face as you could get yeah that's what i really like you know i okay. i actually prefer that style of music and i think that herzog very interestingly does that a lot too like his his especially when he uses those big choral pieces you're right. Um, it's very, very upfront. You know, even that moment in uh, encounters at the uh, end of the world with the penguin walking away, and it's yes. this like Gregorian chant. Yes. And it's this beautiful piece of music. Is this? And it would be, you know, it's it would be funny if anybody else were doing this, but because it's Herzog, it's like existential dread. I, um, I absolutely, and I, I I completely agree with you. I mean, his and I don't. It's, it's interesting that you you know the language that you're using that you know that you're talking about that they were using in this Hollywood Reporter roundtable is kind of interesting to me that music should be in the background or something. It's kind of such a weird way to think about it. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, but talking about Herzog and his usage of music, I mean, you know, Herzog talks about how important it is to find the mood, and so much of what we've been talking about now is you know. Uh, our processes for music and how it affects the mood of a film, etc. Uh, how it emphasizes the 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 emotional qualities that we're trying to communicate in in our in our stories. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, I mean that's you know it's. I feel like the music is such a vital. We talked about sound right last week and how sound is at least fifty percent of a film, and we we kind of both agreed that it's maybe even more. You know. Um, music is is so so vital i feel like you know we talked about how sound is kind of a more direct link to your brain right it's like your your visual processing is kind of more of a analytical or conceptual kind of process Literal, i feel like yeah. in some sense but your but sound has such an immediate and visceral yes. connection to emotion yeah. and it's almost so, it's more i would say more um it's more instinctual it's instinctual yeah. it's primal right yeah. it's kind of this yeah. primordial kind of thing and Right. And so it's, you know, the way we process and are affected by sound and vision, I think, are quite different. Same with smell, right? Smells mm -hmm. can bring yeah. back memories in ways that are, you know, so extraordinary compared to a vision or, a, you know, yeah. sounds no, or can, senses. You, you, I, the amount of times that I've smelled something and been like, that's my, you know, my late grandmother's <laughs> house from when I was yeah. four years old. And it's like weird. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so, uh, you know, Herzog has yet to use smell of vision for any of his yeah, films. So unfortunately, we'll have to wait for yeah, that, I think that'll, you know? that's making a comeback though. I've invested in it. So. <laughs> You're invested in it, right? It's like uh Dolby smell of vision. Yeah. But, um, yeah. but yeah, so there's, you know, there's kind of, it's just our, our brains process these things, the sensory input in different ways. And so I feel like music is such a powerful, it's powerful in slightly different ways. And, you know, 
I feel like Herzog, if you were to remove the music of so much, you know, I think of like the opening scene of Aguirre, the the encounters, the scene that you just mentioned, and countless mm-hmm. others, frankly, countless others that I, you know, I, I feel like there's at least a moment or two in every one of his Nosferatu films. has a ton of it, like some I, great, great right. musical moments. White Diamond, Encounters, we just mentioned that. Um, so many of these the, films. Uh, into dark, what the dark, Lessons in Darkness. Lessons of Darkness. Yeah, I mean, we could literally mention probably I mean, every I think... one of his films where his the music is so integral to creating yes. that overall emotional landscape. And I think that's the, that's the, the key to it as well, is that there's... Like there's, there's, again, there's no right or wrong answer, both because everyone has their own taste, but also because I think that all of these things can be used at different times. Um, You know, there are certainly moments when I I did a, a, you know, a a long form short was about half an hour uh, back in 2017, 2018. And it, there was a moment where the character wakes up and there's like a big realization and it's about midway through and I just kept thinking of these like this like loud brass hit when it happened. Like that's really what I wanted. So I, I mm-hmm. played with it myself just on some software that I have. And then I, you know, I talked to the composer and I sort of described the feeling that I get from it. And then also, again, to leave the open interpretation there saying that, it, you know, obviously it doesn't have to be a brass hit. Mm-hmm. That was just kind of my interpretation of it. But it could be whatever um, right. brings that emotion. But I but it's a very big moment that is is in combination with the music and i think that a lot of people and i know directors that are like this that think that the for some reason music is a separate element that they will complain if they feel like the music is you know telling you what to feel on the nose or or is right. too clearly in you know interpreting the Im- or interpret too literal the image. yeah and i but i've never i've never had an issue with that you know like i've i've always thought if a scene is sad and there's sad of course there is a degree to which it can get kind of absurd (laughs) but i mean if if you know if someone's shocked and you you use music to accent that in a in a you know a a subjectively good way yeah um then i i don't really have a problem with that whereas i know a lot of directors who are very much like no 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 i don't want i i don't want the music there at all because then i'm relying on it well i don't i've never really seen an issue with relying on music because it's a part of the movie it's it's interesting as integral as the sound designers anything else right sure i mean well i think you know this is interesting you've you've mentioned something that is a really compelling thing to kind of think about i think you know uh i am one of those people that i i don't like on the nose emotional manipulation Mm -hmm. um of course I, I want to be moved by a film. And so it's not that I expect that a film shouldn't move me. Of course not. I, I, I hope that a film will move me. But I, I want I, I don't want to be pulled by the nose, you know, to that to, to that movement. I second clue. I don't want yeah. to be told what to think or told what to feel and told the exact moments that I should be feeling these things. And, you know, uh, I, I'd like to be able to find my own way emotionally through a story and kind mm-hmm. of apply my own interpretations. So I think, you know, it really depends on what the, you know, the, the rest of the film is doing, right? I think if the, if the film is very on the nose, it's very predictable, it's like, you know, it's not leaving you as an audience any room for your think. own interpretation yes, yeah. or, or, right? Uh, and, and I mean, and then you also then add music on top of all, you know, the script does this, the performances, you know, if the script is very narrow and on the nose, if the performances are very narrow and on the nose, if the, you know, everything visually is on the nose, and then the music is also on the nose. I mean, it's overwhelming, right? 
Um, and that can be too much. But um, so I'm definitely not a fan of that kind of filmmaking. Um, oh, yeah, totally. And that's what I mean when I say right. it, it works to a degree. You're right, that, right. That I like, you know. Um, but sometimes, there... you know, but I just want to say, too, I mean, some of my favorite moments with music are, you know, uh, where they provide a counterpoint as opposed to an emphasizing, you know, or just mm -hmm. a redundancy kind of, like a of what you're seeing, right? Yeah. Just a position and contrast is very interesting. And so there's a lot of room to play with that. You know, I think one of the things that works so well with Herzog's films is that uh, with the music that he chooses is that he really is thinking outside of the box uh, in terms of culturally, in terms of, mm -hmm. you know, popular music versus things that are going to be new to to most of an audience's ears. I mean, he talks about how, you know, his goal as a filmmaker is to is to bring new images to people, right? That it's such a, as filmmakers, it's such an important role that we play to bring new images, to bring new landscapes, to to bring new ideas to an audience. And I think it's it's challenging or can be uh, because you've really got to kind of use a subversion and and kind of, you know, uh, really turn things upside down if you're using popular music, let's say, like, for instance, the Rolling Stones and Scorsese. I mean, well, these are songs that have become so corporatized, so part of the fabric of, like, Western culture. Everybody knows these songs. Everybody knows every lyric. They've got this entire life of their own. Unless you're kind of subverting that and really going against people's expectations, which you certainly can do, if you're just playing into that music, it, it again, it's like... I can't, there's not much room for me as an audience there, but if I'm listening yeah. to this music where I can't even, like the lyrics are in another language and it's like these kind of alien instruments and, you know, unique compositions and it's not, it's not just those like three chord progressions we hear in every single popular song in Western culture, but it's something that's like, whoa, I mean, it's like a new, it's right, instead of a new landscape, it's a new soundscape. And I'm like, I have this huge room to move, to interpret. That's exciting to me. Like, yeah, and, and I think that that's again, it comes down to exactly basically what you're saying is, and when I, you know, the the point where I think that it comes across entirely kind of universally is that it it comes down to the director's use of it, right? It comes sure. down to the choices of the, like, you know, for example, the, you know, Paul Thomas Anderson um, has collaborated with Johnny Greenwood on most yeah. of his movies and, and they're and fantastic that, yeah yeah they're fantastic soundtracks yeah. and they're very upfront they're very you know in your face when especially you know you think of there will be blood that opening scene where you have those penderecki style but it strings works. and it works so well you know it, it immediately makes you feel like the horror of, yeah. of the wild and that's yes. what it is or in phantom thread foreboding this, those great you know those huge orchestral Lush. moments of like doom when when but this kind of ironic romantic doom at the end when yeah of course no spoilers but uh if you've seen it you get what i mean right but um but i think that that's kind of where i i think and and that's where i i say that it should accentuate so it shouldn't necessarily tell an audience exactly what to think but i but i have no issue with a, a piece of music really being loud and brash and accentuating a moment and sure coming out on on front and I, you know the noticeability and, and so i agree in the terms of um yeah like well i, I think you know, language i yeah language yeah. i would use i guess i don't know you know if this might be a way to explain it i don't know if this resonates with you but it, it look, every aspect of your film should have an opinion yes right yeah. but yeah. there's a difference between having an opinion and, and preaching and <laughs> right and just you know and, and kind of saying this is exactly what you should be thinking and feeling at this moment and I, you know basically i just imagine all of the worst 
Oscar winning movies that have ever been made. And <laughs> it seems to be so many of these are like the most manipulative, you know, like there'll be some biopic, you know, that you like, this is exactly what you need to feel right now. Don't you see yes. how like horribly oh, yeah. treated this person was? And do you see how they overcame everything? And yeah, there's and, that, there's that classic, like uh, almost like an SNL trope of someone's sad <laughs> and you get that sad piano music. And all that. Yeah. that, that I have no, no interest in. Um, but there, yeah. again, there's moments where like, I think that the visuals and the, the, the filmmaking can be so horrific um and i'm thinking right now specifically of the moment in in you know for schindler's list for example when Ooh. um when they're the women's train car goes to the wrong place and it winds up at auschwitz and they're pushed oh, yeah. into the, the chambers and there's this you know the music there on its own is very very forward it's very brash it's it's very horrifying and haunting yeah. right um but i think again it's one of those things where it's like uh in a moment like that, to me, it's not necessarily telling the audience what to feel. It's showing the audience how horrifying something right. like that can be. And and it's and that's where I think the, the difference is. And it's such a fine line to ride. But I think that that's exactly it. It's, it's allowing somebody, like allowing me to, using the music to allow me to, in you know a fraction of the percentage of feeling the horror that those people would have felt in real right. life. Um, and bringing me to that. But I mean, I also, again, I know people who don't like music like that at all just sure. on, on a very very bottom line it's like the music is if it's if you can hear it <laughs> it's bad that it should oh, wow. just be there to complement slight moments and and that's it um which i you know i think is i mean is a I, huge waste of the the entire medium of of music well but absolutely i mean that's their I, I certainly don't hold that opinion yeah. and i you know i mean i i guess i see it as you know like i guess language that i use to describe it is that music is it's just you know you've got this tapestry right a film mm -hmm. is this is this quilt work or this tapestry that where all of these different threads are coming together to create a whole music should be permeating that entire thing i mean um mm -hmm. uh, very different than herzog but one of my favorite examples of uh where soundtrack so absolutely positively permeates the entire film is this just creates extraordinary storytelling density and texture um, is uh, Vangelis's uh, soundtrack for Blade Runner. Oh, yes. Yeah. And yeah. It, it is so much more than just, I mean, it, it is, it is, that is such an integral part. I think that's one of the best examples of a soundtrack that is so integral to the film that if you were to remove or change that soundtrack, you would have a profoundly, radically different film. Oh, exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah. You wouldn't even have the film. You would not even have Blade Runner. It would, it would, it would just not. I mean, it's you know, it, it's it such would, a great example of, of just that exactly. Like and it's, it's and you know. so that's how I try to you know that's one of the milestones I guess or the like yardsticks I I use of thinking okay if I had the perfect soundtrack and i'm not saying sounds like that i'm not saying same genre of music or style of music or something like that but just in general sense of a music that is so woven into so integral mm -hmm. um that yeah. that it's you just couldn't remove it that it, it's it's as it's as much a part of that film as any other of the performances of the cinematography of the script you know um obviously yeah. that i mean that's a that's a high <laughs> that's a high place to get to well, but I mean, it's a perfect example of exactly what I think like you've you've put it into a really great kind of package with Blade Runner, because that's exactly what I mean, is that yeah. I think for some reason, a lot, I don't know if you know people like this as well, but for some reason, I just I just know a lot of directors, both amateur and people who are working professionally, yeah. um, who 
always seem to separate music, who always seem to see it as like an add-on to a movie as opposed to an sure. integral part of um, of what you're making and, and something that, that to be used. Um, I'm, I'm curious to ask you too. Yeah. Have you ever, um, while making a movie, like in still in production, still shooting, uh-huh. um, worked with a composer at that point? where they've been sending you because i i've done this a few times where i've had composers yeah send me music that they're doing as as the movie's being made as opposed to just you know you finish the edit and send it to somebody i I actually have and there's been a couple of times where on some short films where i've been lucky enough there was one instance where actually uh one of my leads uh was actually a musician and like quite a talented musician Mm -hmm. and so part of his contribution was not just his acting performance to the film but he was actually helping to create some pieces of music for that film while we were in production so um he was actually you know um it kind of you know he was he was in this like emotional space because of the role that he was playing and kind of from the perspective of that character which I thought was really cool. Now, of course, obviously, this is not something that can happen all the time. Your your actors have to be inclined musically and then want to be able to contribute in this way. But uh, this was a really cool situation. He's, you know, here he is um, portraying this character. He's in this emotional space. And then from the POV of that character, he was creating music for mm-hmm. the, like, while we were in production. So that was a really unique uh, really opportunity. Neat, there was another situation where my brother, actually, who is a pretty talented guy, uh, created some pieces of music for it, and I would work back and forth with him. I would show him uh, rough cuts or, you know, show him even just footage, like a few takes, and, like, kind of give him a sense of, you know, here's where I'm kind of going. Uh, let's talk about some music. And then he would actually present me some music, and I would have some music to actually edit to. So uh, I have actually had some opportunities to do that. And I think that it's um, uh, it was especially wonderful that first example I gave you. Uh, that was a really cool, unique situation. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I do have experience with that. And then I also have experience of I've got the entire piece. It is like done. It's edited. It's put together. I've got to go get music for and it. And send it. Yeah. I've been there I've too. Had, I've had both as well. I mean, yeah. I not the actor, but I actually on the Herzog, or Herzog Hitchcock when I just did uh, yeah. in the, during the summer. Um it was interesting. The person I knew was going to compose the movie was actually the boom operator for okay. things. So we could at points kind of sit down and during and actually shoot, ch- yeah. sort of say like, and of course, when you're doing something like Hitchcock, we both knew from the outset it was going to be a Herman sounding right, you're, score. You're coming from a so, specific place already, right? Yeah, so we, we had a lot of fun with that kind of playing around with like okay what if you know you know that bit in psycho here where that that could sound like that and you know that was a, it was a lot of fun to um do it like that but i've also like you i've done it where you know i've been doing production and, and editing and sending rough cuts and especially when a movie takes um you know that long form short that i mentioned earlier that was about mm-hmm. half an hour took i think over the course of like nine months to actually make and shoot just because of course availability and when you're doing something on no budget that's just kind of what happens yeah um and so I would send, you know, rough cuts that were incomplete. You know, there mm-hmm. there were tons of scene miss, scenes missing and sort of say, here's what I've got so far. Here's yeah. the, 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 and it was a really great way to watch that music kind of evolve. Right. Um, and it helps and then, you evolve your edit. And yeah. absolutely. And then, of course, at, at the same time, I've had points where the movie's been completely done and it's just sent off to somebody and, and you know, 
Right. But even score. in that even in that place, I mean, I feel like there's still a tremendous amount of collaboration. That oh, can be totally. Done. I mean, yes. I don't yeah. I don't think that that but but, you know, it's like we're we're I'm a, I, we're in pre-production on a horror feature film right now. And, you know, part of what we're doing as producers uh, is putting together with the, it's kind of going to be, I think, co-directed by myself and the uh, writer of the original script. Um, we've brought on another writer and a couple other producers. So there's a kind of core team of us that uh, are in the process of putting together basically like the Bible for this film or, you know, mm-hmm. and so music is absolutely a part of that. Uh, it's, I think it's easier to go immediately to images for many filmmakers. Cause again, it's kind of right. The reason you're in filmmaking is that you are really drawn to telling stories visually. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but inspirations, uh, and absolutely music can be a part of a style book or a Bible. Um, and I think that's a it's a it's a an excellent opportunity to just bring one more level of or one more medium for a director to share their vision with all of the other department heads and all of the other collaborators. There's no reason you, you shouldn't do it. Um, it's uh, I think oftentimes what I've seen, this is kind of interesting. I've seen because, it you know, it just depends. Everybody thinks differently. But I've seen people point to, like for example, I'm working with. Um, you know, let's say I'm working with a director and they're trying, you know, they're trying to explain to me kind of, well, you know, here's like the feel that I want for this or that. And it's funny, I've seen people actually pick scenes or pick films and say, this is really, you know, this is kind of, I, I, this really has the vibe that I'm kind of going for. And after I kind of, uh, you know, chip away at what they're really talking about, it's actually the music in the scene that's actually really doing it for them as opposed to, you know, anything that's being communicated visually. But it's kind of funny. I think just sometimes people don't even realize that what's inspiring them or what's what's kind of pushing them in this emotional place is actually the music of what's going on. So and I mean, I I uh, I think it's really neat, too, because. Um, uh God, my mind, my mind just went completely <laughs> blank. <laughs> you, don't even have the, you don't even have the excuse of being filled up with pumpkin no, pie. No, I know. Man. I mean, come I on. I know. I've gotten filled up with chicken pot pie. Um, <laughs> God, let me try to get that thought back. Hey, uh, it's okay. No, I... I well, I... Oh, it, the, the horror movie. Right, yes. Yeah, I yeah. got it. Um, so it's actually interesting that you mentioned that, the the idea of the, the horror film kind of... And kind of, you know, creating a lookbook, but not necessarily just a Bible, like you say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, on writing the beat sheet for the newest draft, um, because there were really significant changes made to the, between the third and fourth drafts of this um, horror film that I'm directing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did, rather than just doing the fourth draft as a screenplay, I did a beat sheet first um, okay. to confirm with the producers and the other, you know, creatives on it that this is where we want to go. This is the evolution of the story. This is kind of what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that beat sheet, I actually included musical cues weirdly enough and uh i said you know i made a little note at the top and basically said you don't have to listen to them but these were the pieces that i was listening to as i wrote and that kind of yeah helped inspire the scene and and might provide a little bit of a nice experience if you're reading it and you know you want to click on the link just do that and you can read it with it's sort of like a audiobook with music almost um sure and uh, and so I did that, and it was funny because I some some of the people did and some of the people didn't, but the people that did were like, yeah, you know, it really got me like in the mood of the scene, yeah. and it really helped me feel like kind of because I yeah. think that also music is such a great communication device for really getting the point down on like what you want the scene to feel because I've had yeah. points where you you can write a scene 
and you can be as specific as you want in terms of emotion and, and whatever. Um, but people can still slightly interpret misinterpret it. that. You right. know, they might interpret it just a little bit differently or might might think like, oh, this scene is going to be played lighter than, than you intended. Absolutely. And I find that music can so often be really, really vital in just sort of being like, this is the core of the the emotion that I want from this scene. And again, it's this is a process that is mine. I would mm-hmm. never, you know, any anytime I'm teaching or whatever, I'm I'm never saying to my students like this is how you've got to write sure but it's, it's another something tool that, yeah it works for me and, it's another you know, tool try it every, out absolutely i think yeah. i mean and there's no reason not to explore and experiment with yeah, these things exactly. and there's no, you know look i mean every you know as a director especially your goal is to communicate um uh, your vision to everyone you're working with as as closely as possible to what you're seeing uh and then of course then inspire um and why not use this valuable tool there's no reason not to um and i of course i i've not done it myself but certainly you know i know actors a lot of times uh use music i've done so as an actor i've done this use music to prepare sometimes for scenes uh you know as a character you you pick out music that has uh an emotional impact that you know that Mm -hmm. kind of brings you in line to the emotion of the scene that you're at um i mean it can be a great tool uh definitely directors uh often can use music to kind of you know on set uh while they're shooting there's you know so many different ways that you can utilize music yeah, yeah. um and why not like there's no reason not to use it so not just during you know you've got it pre-production production and of course in post you've got the music that's actually going to be part of the film what the audience is listening to but you can certainly use music as a tool to communicate to and to to reach emotional places in the story you know while you're making the film and like exactly yeah, yeah. No, it's, 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 i mean again it's another tool in the toolbox that there's no point in uh and, yep. and, and, and you know i just again want to reiterate too that that like to anybody who's beginning that it's never black or white <laughs> like of course yeah that's you the might you might just find that that writing with music is a distraction and that it right. it, it boxes you into a you know a corner or whatever right and so you might choose not to do that there's no I think that's the, the really key point that I think we've both tried to make throughout all this is just that it's no, this that's is advice. Of it. This that's, is not That's the beauty gospel. of filmmaking. Yeah. It's art. It's look, there's yeah. everybody's got their own uh, process. That's like yeah. going to be slightly yeah. different than everybody else's. I mean, this is why we have unique filmmakers. I, hopefully your process is different that uh, hopefully your work is unique and, and it's a representation of your authentic voice. And that's what makes film and all other art wonderful. Uh, when it is wonderful, that it is truly an authentic expression of somebody's unique uh, perspective. So absolutely. Uh, and, and it's, you know, and as I sit here and talk about these things with you, and this is one of the things that I really love about doing these podcasts with you, Colin, is that I get ideas. I'm like, oh, you know, hey, I, you know, oh, exactly, we, we, yeah. like with sound last time we were talking about sound. And I'm like, you know, this is an area that I really could explore and experiment with a lot more. As we do this one here, I'm thinking, well, you know, music is an area that I could really, you know, think I'm even thinking with the horror film that we're in pre-production with. Okay, wow, you know, like there are a lot of areas where I think that I've not utilized this tool as much as I could mm-hmm. and totally. uh, so totally. I'm kind of excited about that I kind of get inspired I get ideas you know and but that's the wonderful thing is that you know every time you sit down to work on a project 
there you have just this 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 huge arena of of options sometimes it can be a little overwhelming but that that's i feel like that's the fun of it is that it's like having all these paints in your paint box and you don't have to use the same ones over and over again you can use all these new different colors and mm-hmm. so it's exciting i think and hopefully you know you are without a doubt on every project going to learn so much more about your process and, and kind yeah. of what you can use. So that's Absolutely. what I, I, I like about it. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, I think we've probably come to the end here mm-hmm. of, uh, unless you can think of anything that we might have missed that was covered in Herzog's lesson here about music, but I think we pretty much nailed it all. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Well, once again, we're at the end of another episode. Cullen, thank you so much. Uh, I really enjoyed this conversation. I've got a few notes that I'm going to go run and take real quick. <laughs> Things that I'm going to use on my uh, on this horror project. Uh, <laughs> I'm kind of excited Good. about. Yeah, so that's definitely awesome. Uh, all right. Well, until next time, when we will be covering Lesson 17, editing. Mm-hmm. I hope everybody out there has a wonderful week, and we will see you soon. Yeah, see you guys. Bye.